All right, so this episode is kicking it with Nashville recording artist Kentucky Dom. And as the conversation evolved, I was recognizing this word discipleship that came up time and time again. And I have to play on words. Dom, dominion. This is about dominion discipleship. It's about literally taking ownership and authority in the earth, in our gifts and talents that just generally always, always, first and foremost, just point to God. And that is what Kentucky Dom's story is all about. It's an only God kind of story. It's one of those things that nobody could make up other than God. And it's that good. It's that rich. It's that wholesome. Uh, I love his heart for missions. I love his heart for inner city kids. I love his heart for children as a whole when it comes to music and rap and Christian and country and all the blending of it. I love his heart towards marriage and business and how he disciples and creates discipleship programs in his tech business. I mean, he's so multifaceted. If you have a heart towards music, if you have a heart towards recording, if you have a heart towards um, serving, if you have a heart towards just people as a whole, you're going to love to hear the other side to this Grow For God uh, just stand-up artist that came. He was incredible at the Grow For God conference in the fall of 2021, and I have got to integrate him into 2022. And so I hope that you guys will come and experience the togetherness of this conversation, the kindred spirits of this conversation, and I know this will not be the last time you see us together. So Dom, thank you for being here, and you guys enjoy this epic conversation. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. Fit is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie-cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, deep or high the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. I'm like, okay, we need more recording artists on when we do this show because you just filled <laughs> that. That's you guys, if you have not heard the voice of the intro, this is the one and only Kentucky Dom, my friend, my brother, and I am honored to have him on the show today. And if you were not at the Grow for God conference last fall in Kentucky, um, you've got to be at the next one because we've got to get you back on stage. Uh, I'm excited for everything that you have going on and what you put out into the world. So thanks for being here and giving us a little flavor in the process. Oh, no, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. It's just it's a blessing. So thank you so much. You're 
so welcome. So Kentucky, a part of the Fit and Faith podcast is its insight is around founders, innovators, and trailblazers. And I think you have surely blazed a trail just in the music industry. And I found out today while reading your bio that there's so much more to who you are than just music, which I think is probably often for most musicians and creatives and artists. We're not just the one thing, we're all the things. And so I want to first talk through that musical realm of who you are and where it kind of started and how you were in the Christian industry and then in the country industry. And then now it's kind of all blended together, um, how that's just been a journey for you. Yeah. So um, let's, I, I've been saved for since 2011. And I, I got baptized, I got rebaptized in 2009. And so at that point in my life, um, it was kind of one of those, uh, those times where I was kind of looking for fellowship, looking for a good um, group of people to kind of be discipled by and just kind of grow in my relationship. I was really focused on just trying to grow in my relationship with, with God, as opposed to just jumping into everything. I wanted to know more about who God was. And, and so I remember the night that I decided, I said, uh, well, actually it, it was, this was after I got baptized, but I had uh, a time in my life where I'd kind of struggled a little bit, just kind of in and out of church. And like I said, I was searching for fellowship and it wasn't really coming. And, and people didn't really latch onto me after my baptism. And so I didn't really have that, that, uh, that fellowship. And so one day I was sitting in my driveway and I was sitting there praying, asking God, I said, God, if, if you're, uh, if you're real, you know, I need you to do something. I need you to, uh, I don't want to live my life like this. I don't want to be in and out of, of the faith. I either want to be faithful or I want to be in the world. And, you know, if you're not real, then, you know, there's no point in trying to do all this good stuff, you know, and, and God's like, okay, I got something for you. So the next day, the guy that baptized me called me and said, hey, Dom, I got somebody that I want you to meet. And he ended up introducing me to my brother, my best friend, my uncle, my cousin, everybody to me. And he ended up discipling me for three years. And it was like real discipleship. We went on mission trips together. We went to Haiti, Brooklyn, St. Louis. I mean, we went so many places and really learned. I mean, we went to conferences together. Uh, you know, I, I think one of the first places we went, I saw Francis Chan speak, and it was just like it oh, rocked my gosh. world. Yeah, and, so, yeah, it rocked my world. And so I grew up in Kentucky uh, in the Baptist church, and so there was it was just a big difference in you know Baptist for me and non-denominational. You know, and so uh, so for me to be able to get out, spread my wings, and learn about the Lord and be discipled and be focused on discipleship. It was really cool, which led me to uh, doing Christian hip hop. Um, I saw, uh, actually what happened is, is a friend of mine who was a police officer, he's a Christian, he uh, came to me and he said, hey, I know you're you're big in music and you love music. Uh, you know, me and another one of my police officer buddies, we wanna start a Christian hip hop label and we wanna use it as a platform to connect the inner city community with police officers who want to use it as a bridge. And so I was like, I'm all for that, you know, because there was a need for it, especially then. And this was probably right around 2013. And so, um, so we did it and I went on as an artist manager. I, I had no plans to do music. I was more like discipling the artist. And then one day, uh, one of the founders of the label came to me and said, Hey man, you know, uh, no, sorry about that. Uh, not to toot my own horn or anything like because I'm not trying to, but 
he came to me and said, Dom, you know, like you've shown good stewardship, you know, you love the Lord and we would love to see you pour into the artist because mm -hmm. a lot of times with artists, they can get focused on like record sales and merch sales and who's going first and who's going last and all this other stuff. And, um, and, it, and it's a big deal. And so he wanted me to kind of help them get focused on the ministry part of it more than the other stuff. So I started teaching them how to, I was more focused on getting them to like, if we brought in an artist like the Cray or KB or Plum or somebody like go ask Plum if you can like serve at her table or go ask Plum if you can, if we can break down for her after the concert, even though we're artists, we want to show her that we're here to serve her not be served, you know? Wow. And so that was kind of what our ministry was, was just, we, it was all built around serving other people. And so, uh, so we kind of like took off. We had really good artists on our label and we did really well. And then the founder of the label got cancer and died and his wife, decided that she wanted to keep the label as what it was remembered under him and so she she basically you know let you know retired the label and you know but it was it was so good because so many people were saying we went to prisons you know i was like 50 cents never even been to a prison before <laughs> <laughs> and we've been lord's work right now <laughs> so, so i was like you know guys like 50 cent never jc they've never been to a prison because so the and so our message was Christ and we were able to get into places, you know, sometimes like unprepared, like we, I don't even think sometimes we were supposed to be in there because somebody might have a cell phone or somebody might be wearing the wrong color pants or something. And this, in this ministry would just get us into places that I'm pretty sure that without God, we wouldn't have got into it. Wow. So, that, so we did that for uh, up until 2000, about 16. And then um, that I kind of took a break because I got married. And uh, I just wanted to really focus on my marriage and my wife's from Alaska. So she came all the way down here to be with me. And and so uh, I just wanted to make sure that she had my undivided attention and that she knew that, it, you know, I, you know how it is. You bring into your community or, and like she like I know a lot of people. So it's like, boom, boom. Everybody wants to know who she is and what she's all about and all those things. And so I just wanted to make sure that I was there for her because I knew it was going to be a rush. And so took that couple years off of doing music. And then um, I coach, uh, I'm a good tennis player, by the way. I play tennis. I'm big on tennis. Of course you are. Not, yeah. <laughs> I actually am shocked. <laughs> and so, uh, what it, but what happened, I coached at a high school, assistant coach, and it was a rural school. And what I would notice is, is all the kids would come out of school and they'd be cowboy boots, belts, buckles flannels but then they'd be listening to like drake and Nicki minaj and all these rappers and i'm like that's odd all these kids they don't even have their own music to listen to and it's not positive you know what i mean like they're at a a, a, a southern a country uh private catholic school you know and they're like totally bumping like all this music and i'm like okay so i told one of my employees one day i said hey i think i want to make a country rap song and he was like, oh, there already is a guy. And he was talking about Lil Nas X. And I listened to it. And I was like, that's not, that's not, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> he can do him. Let me do me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, because like to me, country music, if you listen to country music, there's a lot of, there's a little bit of Jesus. There's a little bit of family. There's a little bit of everything in it. You know what I mean? Beer, trucks. Yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, but like you, you hear faith. You know, no matter what, like you hear faith in it a, a lot of times. Not all of it, but 
it's a big chunk of it. And so I was like, man, that's missing. These kids, you know, they need people to look up to in country music because they don't, the, the, the uh, generation that they're growing up in, like hip hop is like completely the number one genre. And so they naturally want to hear hip hop music because it's about being cool and being accepted and things like that. And so I was like, I'm gonna make a country rap song. And I made my song, uh, Big Old Truck. And then like, everybody loved it. And so I was like, oh, maybe I should just keep going. And, uh, and so that's kind of what led me to doing the country rap was like, I wanted to give something to for these, these kids to have to listen to that, you know, was good substance and not just, you know, to me trash. I love that so incredibly much, especially as my kids are, are getting more exposure to sound um, and influence of music from, you know, cousins who are older or um, society through school. And for so long, we've had them in this like our own little shell and bubble. And we always have music playing on in the background um, that we feel is is wholesome, right? It's all Christian rap or um, Christian acoustic or, or worship mobs or anything like that. But it's been really interesting um, hearing that exposure. And then when I listened to that music and music was just such a huge part of my testimony. And I think it's why I'm so connected to so many musicians and artists is because I went from always loving to dance, always loving music and sound, but the words infiltrating my spirit in such a way that I actually started acting out some of the things that I would hear in, in music, right? And it's no different than, than kids listening to rap music now. And it's, you know, still like it was before, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, essentially. And the, that's actually leading to suicide. It's leading to ostracization in children and youth. It's leading to this ideology of I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not all of these things enough. And um, when I was finally in that experience of life where I transitioned because I met Jesus and my whole life changed, I would go to even just the gym. Um, I went really strict on, on closing everything out, like eyes, ears, sound, mouth, everything. Um, when I first came to know the Lord, which sounds really like crude and, you know, maybe uh, blanketed in a lot of righteousness and religion, but it really was for my sanity and my salvation. It was truly for me to stay alive because I was in a place of suicidal ideation before that. Mm -hmm. So when I went back into um, the gym was my exposure to sound and I was listening to what these women who are in their, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s working out in the morning to this rap music. And I am like thinking to myself, like, that is just terrible. It's probably <laughs> destroying marriages. It's destroying self-image. It's what you're like speaking at 5 a.m. in the morning. Like these are good women. They're like, you know, putting themselves first. They're doing all of these things. And yet what they're putting into their spirit is negativity. So I'm massively passionate about, about putting things in our kids' ears and our ears as adults that are fueling uh, positivity and, and joy and, and fruits of the spirit rather than um, what everything else destruction could be associated to it. Absolutely. And it's funny you said that because it even affected sometimes. I remember one year. Um, so short story, whenever I decided to completely give my life to Jesus, one of the things that I knew I had to do was cut hip hop out of my music and so or out of my life. And so what I did was is I back, you know, we had I still had a CD player in my car and that's how I listened to my music. And uh, so I actually took the CD deck out of my car and put just a radio in and only listened to Caleb for three years straight. 
And it was so crazy because like my brothers and all my friends stopped riding with me because every time they got in my car, they had to listen to Caleb. And they hated I know it. that story. <laughs> I know that story. <laughs> you know, and you know, it was just we grew up listening to whatever. And you know, all of a sudden there's this new Dom and they're just like, What? Yeah, who are you? What happened? Now they, they all listen to Caleb and they're all pastors ah. and saved and like like making disciples killing it out here but you know it's crazy you said that though because i had a uh, there was a guy that worked for me in uh central indiana and um he called me one day and you know he was a he's really really talented uh secular artist and but he was also one of my employees and um i would always try to speak life into him and he would just hate it and one day he just told me he said man i just need you to stop so that i can focus at work and I would really appreciate it. And I, and I respected it. Well, fast forward to about a year later, he calls me one night and he said, hey, man, he said, uh, I just got out of the um, the mental hospital because I tried to take my life. And he said, I remember you talking to me about Jesus all the time. And he said, I want to know if I can move to where you are and you disciple me. And so, you know, I made sure he was serious and what he wanted to do it for. and got him down and started discipling him. And let me tell you, this guy went from being ADHD, pill medicine, suicidal. Now he's a pastor. He owns his own cinematography business. Matter of fact, he's recorded all my music videos and he has three kids and is like thriving and cry. I mean, he's just like, you know, you always say, you know, you want your disciples to go off and, off and do greater things than what you do. And he's totally like way beyond that. And this just makes me so proud that, you know, when you completely give your life to Jesus and you 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 disciple and you do what the great command says, like you get to see the fruit. And people always say you can tell a tree by its fruit. And whenever I see these guys that, you know, we all once walked in darkness and now they're all past. I mean, my brother's a pastor and he was like probably the worst, like. He probably had 200 girlfriends. Girlfriends. You know what I mean? And wow. now he's like yeah. a pastor and he's got a daughter and he's like, you know, it's just wild. You know what I mean? Like he may even have his own church soon. So it's just, it's just crazy that, you know, when you're obedient to God and how he can, like you said, my whole life changed. And that's yeah. what happens is he wrecks you and your whole life changes. And, and the evidence is there. There's no excuses. You don't have to really, you know, I remember I, I, I could talk about Jesus all day, but I remember when I was in New York at a mission trip and I asked one of the missionaries, she was from, uh, she was from uh, Switzerland. And I said, you know, when you come to America and you see Christianity, what are your thoughts? And she said the most interesting thing to me. She said, well, she said in Switzerland, she said, either you're Christian or you're not. She was like, if you're not a Christian, you don't even want to be considered as a Christian. But if you're Christian, you're all the way in. She said, but in America, there's so many different types of Christian. Sometimes I'm afraid when people come over here because they could get involved in the wrong Christianity. <laughs> wow. And it just rocked my world because... Wow. She was a missionary in America trying to help Americans come to Jesus. <laughs> that is crazy and yet so true. I mean, yeah. 
Christianity has become so convoluted to the point that when I was on my journey of, of starting my coaching business, I was, I was, I am still sold out Jesus. And I was associating that everything that I was doing was like Christian business coaching. And I had so many people tell me like, you shouldn't do that because you don't know what type of Christian you are when you're portraying Christian business coach. People are immediately going to say, what kind of Christian is she? Is she a Bible thumper? Is she Baptist? Is she, what denomination is she? Is non-denominational? Does she believe in kingdom? Does she have this? And there's all of these breakdowns of what ultimately God, the father just wants us to be in communion and in family. And it's a kingdom and it's kingdom Christianity above all things. And yet we as humans, because we try to fit people into identities, into these labels, we've broken it so far down that I feel like it's lost its trust factor, which is really, really sad. And the complete opposite of what God stands for. Mm -hmm. Amen. It's wild. And when you think about it from like allowing yourself from a musical perspective, I think it's really powerful. And why I'm so drawn to it is because, you know, music is a love language in and of itself. And it's cross-generational. It's cross-cultural. If you go down to the elements of just like playing guitar or just playing piano, and then you start adding those other sounds to it, it reminds me of like David playing the harp and all of the people who were just literally resounding the sound of heaven here on earth at that time. Everyone was drawn to it. And now what we're doing is we're layering messaging on top of it. And so it's actually, I believe, like um, one of the highest calls to be a musician, to be able to cultivate words over top of sound that is a connective spirit opportunity. Yeah. So we have to steward it well, right? The words matter. Words do matter. Do matter. Yes, they do. They 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 definitely have power. So talk to me through because, like you said, you could talk to Jesus all day. So could I. Um, I'm really curious about other facets of who you are. Um, I really want to hear about the business side. Uh, because I think music and the music industry is a business in so many realms, but also this tech company that you have, you're cultivating a business with your wife, which you can also share about how you met somebody in Alaska. Cause I have a lot of single friends who, who would love to just meet someone out of the country or in another state that's far, far away and it just be bliss. So yes. give us some marital advice and tell me about business. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I met my wife. Uh, I have family that they live in Alaska. So my uncle is from Morganfield, Kentucky. My dad, they're all from Morganfield, Kentucky, which is like pretty much the middle of kind of where all those tornadoes hit. And, um, and so my uncle in the, my great uncle moved to Alaska in the seventies and my dad's brother moved to Alaska, which is my uncle in the eighties. And they started an excavating business. And so I had, I have family up there. And uh, I'd gotten in touch with one of my cousins um, and I hadn't talked to him in a long time. And he, he started, oh man, let's, I need to come to Alaska. You know, that'd be cool. We haven't seen each other since we were like 15 and all this stuff. And so we were really excited about it, planning for me to come out there. And then his, the girl that he was dating at the time uh, was like, oh my gosh, I need to introduce my sister to him he's you know whatever and so we just kind of started off being friends my uh my now wife and i and um just kind of 
really kicked it off. I mean, really, it started off like this. Just really, I was kind of discipling her. You know, we just really were focused on like Jesus. There was, no, I mean, I never thought I would do a long distance relationship, and I don't think she did. So I think it was just kind of like a natural, like just talk about Jesus and grow in our relationship with the Lord. And then I started being attracted to her a little bit. And so I started kind of getting counseling on it um, from some of my mentors. Like one of my greatest mentors actually ended up, he's a uh, a marital counselor. And so I had a free marital counselor the whole time. <laughs> yes. yes, and more yes. <laughs> and so, uh, awesome. Yep. And so uh, he kind of guided me through what to do and things like that and how to be natural and not make it like normal relationships where it's like, immediately think you're going to marry him and you know start having all those like uh, emotional ties and attractive ties like make sure you keep her as your sister so that was really cool because i had that and sometimes you just don't think about this i mean obviously there's worldly things that you think about when you start being attracted to somebody and i wanted to make sure that that wasn't the case and so uh got out there she worked for my uncle actually as well she was his bookkeeper at the time and um she her office was in his house and so uh every morning i would you know wake up and she would just hey do you need anything um you know can i get you anything you know some coffee you know can i get you some food she was just really nice and and then i saw how she was around her family and things like that and then i think at that point i knew she was somebody that i could see myself spending the rest of my life with. And so when I got back, I really prayed about it and then just told her like, Hey, you know, I just want to let, I pretty much just told her flat out, like, Hey, I, I'm pretty much going to court you. And if it's not that, then, <laughs> you know, I don't know what else it's going to be. And wow. so she was kind of thrown off by it at first because I don't think she's ever had anybody come out, come at her like that. But I mean, that was just kind of my thing, you know, it was like, I don't want to waste time, you know, I know we're attracted to each other now and I don't want to make it like a boyfriend, girlfriend, four year struggle, battle up and down relationship. Like I want this to be of the Lord and I want it to be a courtship and I'm going to pursue you to marry you, not to be your boyfriend. And she was like, uh-oh, like this wow. dude's like, dude yeah. for real. <laughs> but, but, you know, also like, you know, I was single for a long time. Like I had a girlfriend, but it was like, it wasn't like anything serious. Like it was totally like she was a missionary and, all this other stuff so um so i never so for seven years i was just straight single and um so i had a lot of time to really just grow in the lord and kind of know what i wanted and i think that being single helped me appreciate uh you know the lord and also uh you know when you're alone when you're single and you're alone and you have uh that time with the lord you're like man i appreciate relationships more i appreciate these things about a woman and what a woman can bring to your life. And so I think I was able to, to, to receive that. And so um, anytime I ever get upset, we get upset. I'm always like, I remember the times whenever I was at home solo watching TV and wishing somebody was here. So I'm not going to complain about anything. That's, at all. <laughs> That's really good. I think that there's that light switch that I immediately like either regret or that reminder of like, Oh, yeah, why are you well, this? Right. People all the time, no matter what. <laughs> so good. I was yeah. at a, a breakfast with some girlfriends recently. We we're talking about marriage and how like there's this component of, um, People joke about it, but I think they're underlying like really serious about like, oh, don't get married. Oh, wait for it. Or like, you know, they, they joke about the hardship of it. 
And yet there's not as much the celebration component of it. And I feel like that a lot for our generation. And especially when you're in the thick of like having young children as well, is there's a lot going on. There's a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot of identity cultivating and also sharing. And I am definitely at the space where I want people to know that like I celebrate my marriage. I want Mm -hmm. people to get married. I want people to experience that covenant love. One, because you have this built-in best friend all the time, but yeah, you're not in isolation. And yes, that doesn't mean that there's not friction sometimes, but at that iron sharpening iron, you have just so many amazing elements. Fit and Faith Media Co. is dedicated to activating mission-driven leaders in the marketplace by way of publishing, press, and play. Because your story doesn't just matter to you. It matters to move others. We help you dissect and share your message through podcasting, book writing, and business development. These three areas are exactly how my team and I have opened doors to stages, become the best-selling author I always dreamed I'd be, and even the entrepreneur that energetically and joyfully shows up to serve each and every day. Literally nothing I do feels like work. Every day feels like play. And we'd love to help you live the same life of freedom and fun. If you're a speaker, a writer, or an aspiring business owner, let's jump on a call today to vision cast your future together. Go to www.fitinfaithmedia.com. Again, that's fitinfaithmedia.com. Book your call. If you're a founder, an innovator, a trailblazer, or a wannabe, we can help you get there. Let's do it. This is something we can talk to and pivot to perfectly is um, the shared vision of what God has in store for your marriage, for your family, for um, the generational impact that can happen. And then also from an entrepreneurial impact, um, because my husband and I are both entrepreneurs too. So talk me through like the evolution of that through your relationship and in how you celebrate marriage in, in the midst of it. Yeah. So, um, so gosh, that's a wild story. So basically I think just through like, we're both very strong minded people. And so she has strong will and I have strong will. And, and at the time that, that I got married, we actually, um, I was working for another tech company that does the same thing that I do now. I had been with them for almost 13 years and I went from sales to operations manager and she actually worked for a tennis club and um, as their manager. And what happened was that company actually went out of business. And so it kind of gave me one of those deals where it was like, you know, what's going to take more faith for me to go work for somebody else or for me to try to do this thing on my own because I, I was the operations manager. I knew more about the business than the owners. For sure, for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was like, why would I go work for somebody else if I have all this information? Well, that next day, immediately, two of the vendors that, I, that we worked with called me and said, hey, are you going to do anything? And it was like confirmation. And so I went to a couple wow. of the managers that were under me and I said, hey, do you guys want to do this thing? And they were like, yeah. And so there was three of us, and we named my company Trinity Tech Solutions, which is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then there were three of us. And so, um, which is pretty cool. And so our whole goal for our business model was to make disciples and to teach young salespeople and young sales young salesmen and young saleswomen how to go out into our community and be a light and use our business to serve other people. And 
I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of like rep, my salespeople praying with with families or even myself, and then just like miracle things happening. And so um, that's kind of how that happened. It just kind of I just kind of got pushed into that situation. God allowed me into that situation, and I took it. So amazing! You have yeah. so many cool like only God stories. Only God, no, like right? literally, like, like everything about me is only God. <laughs> that's so incredible, and it makes me think too about like the integration. I mean, you were at this conference, the Grow for God conference, that entire time, probably listening and and just receiving, and also knowing like your personal testimony in parallel to the mission of that conference, which is going to extend itself um, this year as we do it again, um, but. You have such a, a wild uh, example of the discipleship piece of actually how can you have faith and business together? And I think a lot of times people struggle with that. Like I said, that Christian business coach piece where people are like, well, what does that even mean? Are you just using the fundamentals of faith? Are you using God to attract? Are you only serving Christian people? And you're you're not like you're serving everyone, but you have an ability to be a light and so business coaching and fit and faith media kind of evolved. And I just don't have to necessarily put Christian in front of anything, but everybody knows. Yeah, right. Exactly. And so I think that was one thing for me is whenever I was being discipled, I was still working for that other company. And I kept telling my pastor, like, man, I want to be like you. I want to be a pastor. I want to be at a church. And he was like, no, dude, you just don't know what your ministry is yet. You just don't see it. And then it, it just clicked one day I was sitting there with this lady and and she was telling me how she was sick and how her daughter, you know, she was worried about her daughter and all this other stuff. And, and uh, what was going to happen to her daughter if something happened to her? Well, I ended up praying for her and craziest thing. Like she ended up being healed from this sickness. She called me, this was, she called me like a year later, like I forgot about it. And she called me a year later and told me the story. And I was just like, no way. And like, it just blew my mind and God showed me right then and there, like, that's your ministry, your ministry, you're out in the world every day. You're, you're within a 90 mile radius of your community every single day, rural city, and you're in people's houses, your salespeople are in people's houses, make disciples and teach your disciples how to go out and be a light while selling home security and satellite TV and internet. <laughs> So good. It's so incredible, but it's so mission driven. And you're so right. And I've been in the study of um, the seven mountain mantle. Have you heard of this before? I have not. It's basically um, biblical awareness of the fact that culture is uh, operating in seven different mountains. It's like media, uh, economy, which is business, um, family, religion, education, um, government and uh, media arts and celebration, or which is like entertainment industry, media being like media that we hear on TV, news, celebration and arts being what you do. And that we each have this ability to um, to kind of minister to these different mountains and that this eighth mountain is, of course, God's mountain and he reigns over all, but that the enemy has constructed territory at the top of every single one of these mountains and that we as as Christians, as as disciples, as all of these things that you're speaking to and who we are as children of God, it's actually our territory and it's our time to take over these mountains. And as revival is, is established in each of these areas, business is really one of my biggest passions and taking over that sector and recognizing that our mission field is the marketplace. 
And if we can shift our mindset and our heart set towards the foundations of why we show up in business and it being kingdom principled and discipleship like you're talking about, I mean, literally the entire world would change. Imagine if politicians went in with this mindset, that it's not about control, that it's not about all of these people or things that they want, but more so that they're trying to create disciples for Jesus. Kingdom culture would be so representative in so many ones of these different mountains. And I just yeah. think that there's a time and I'm witnessing it so much in the business sector. Well, yeah. And then too, with my wife in the bridal shop, you know, we get to catch people. I mean, marriage, I mean, it's a covenant. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, marriage counseling yeah. at its finest. Yeah. And so, you know, we get to bring these brides in and, you know, like, it's really cool because like, I think that marriage for young people has been so watered down and I hate it because I don't want my I don't want my niece or my daughter to grow up in a world where they think they have to wait until they're 35 years old, you know, to find love. You know, I want them if they find love early, I don't want to hold them back from what God is calling them to do. And so I think what we've been able to do is to culture in our community, young people being in love and understanding who God is in their marriage. And then they meet us at this bridal shop. And it's just the coolest thing because we get to be a part of the beginning of someone's marriage, their vows to the Lord. You know what I mean? And so uh, I'm, I'm just honored and blessed to see my wife, you know, who she's always had this dream ever since she was little of, you know, being in some type of fashion, you know, something. You know, she's always she's a very artsy, creative person. And so I think just us being together, you know, they say iron sharpens iron. I think we just really sharpened one another well. And she just kind of jumped into it. People always say, well, how'd you guys do it? We just did it. You know, I mean, there's no thinking, you know, you pray. And then when God says, hey, I want you to build that boat, you just build the boat. <laughs> you don't care about all the rules and the regulations and what people think about it. You do it anyway. You're, you're you so the right. Boat. <laughs> you just build the boat. So <laughs> good. Be ready. <laughs> and it, it's so wild because the marriage piece is so fundamental. And yet you're such a testimony. You guys are such a testimony to that. And to be able to nurture that, it's been one of my biggest honors as a like ordained minister to be able to marry people. Some of my best, fondest memories, so emotional. Uh, and, and also like you also feel a sense of responsibility towards that coming to fruition in the, in the way that God would have it be. Um, and not saying that it's on our shoulders, right? When we, when we marriage counsel or anything to that degree, but what much more of a God story is it when you can then, like you said, you create these disciples and you see them do far greater things than you did in your own marriage. And I think that there's that fundamental piece. I didn't come in. My husband didn't come into our marriage, understanding the entirety of the covenant love. We knew God but we didn't ganoche. We didn't know God. Right. We just knew he'd existed. Right. Um, and so I am very passionate about allowing people one, like you did have that sense of time of identifying who you are as a son and in your sonship and your authority as a man and all of those things. And then for her to do the same thing separately and then to watch that immersion together based on your alignment with God first and foremost, it's pretty wild. And I'm, it's a very rare. I don't think you realize how rare it is to hear that side of the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Such a blessing. Yeah. It's just obedience, you know, just being obedient to the Lord and just really focusing on his voice and his word. Cause I think a lot of times we can get distracted by like, Oh, I heard the Lord say, 
you know, and it's like, no, what does the word say? You know, like really focus on God's word. And if we really completely focus on God's word, you know, like sometimes I used to get really bummed out because I'd be like, man, am I doing God's work whenever I'm making country rap? You know what I mean? And because like, you know, there's no title in like country rap, you know, or not, not country rap, but Christian rap, you know, but then I started thinking like, I don't have Christian Trinity text loose. I don't have Christian, you know, tennis, you know, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, so it's like, I had to start thinking like, wait a minute, like when I, when I go places and I'm around people, like I literally get to be in relationships with people and talk to people who absolutely sometimes don't know Jesus because that's just where my music is taking me. And I get to be a light of Jesus around these people. I get to pray when we have lunch. Hey, I'm going to pray. You know, and they're like, whoa, that's kind of weird, dude. And I'm like, yeah, it's all good, dude. No offense. He's <laughs> taking off his hat. Such a gentleman. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that um, that's just a thing you do. Like, when, even whenever I, I wear my cowboy hat everywhere normally. And even whenever I walk into church, it's just like one of those things like, in cowboy church, you just wear your cowboy hat to church. In cowboy church, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and but like even for me, like just really the only people that could wear hats in church were like grandmas growing up. Right, right. They had their Sunday vest they on, Sunday <laughs> vest and nobody else could wear a hat. And so that's just kind of the way I was. I grew up Baptist. You know what I mean? And so I think there's a natural thing there, like when you meet a woman or when you shake a woman's hand, you take your hat off and things like that that's just country stuff i mean i ain't gonna say it's just country but it's a part of you get whoopings for stuff like that it's pretty much country <laughs> we definitely don't do it anywhere else yeah, <laughs> no. we, got, we, got, we got whoopings for stuff like that gosh this computer's got me like trying to figure out how to make my hat straight <laughs> he's disassociated look yeah. great yeah but uh so uh i think that's just a part of the growing up you know the way we did and uh and then just like i said we've i've always had a foundation of god I just didn't really follow Jesus. And I think there's a big separation, you know, just kind of knowing, like knowing who God is, but also God knowing who you are. It's powerful. And I think it goes back even to that um, missionary that was here trying to make disciples in America. And, and that's the piece that's often missing uh, is that foundation of God. And I, I do feel like America in and of itself, right? It's God's country. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yet at the same time, it's like, where is God? Yeah. And when he's in, he is here. And I am so connected to incredible humans like yourself. And the podcast is proof just in the amazing interviews that I've had of, of guests who have like a deep knowing of who he is and he is their everything and the spirit resides in their homes and in the places that they steward. But what about everywhere else? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's our role to like, let that light be sh bright. And I think it's that much more powerful when you have access to the rooms, to the conversations that are generally locked off. I mean, you pretty much had this throughout your entire testimony, as you were saying, even going into the prisons, like nobody else would be able to do that. And so it's the recognition that your ministry is so much more than just the church identity and so much more than putting that Christian peace at the forefront, even though God precedes you in everything that you do because of the inner spirit that he has within you. That's the Holy Spirit. That's his job. Yes, the Holy Spirit. And I mean, yeah. I think that's where God says, go and make disciples, you know, and I think that's what we have to understand is like, we, like you said, words have power. So when you, when you listen, if you listen to the Lord as a, as an infant, as a child, as a, 
as a little kid. When your mom says no, it means no, and you take it really, really serious. And it's like when God says go, make disciples. You know, I always tell people, think about whenever you you really let say somebody dear in your life, you know, they're on their deathbed and they're getting ready to die and go be with Jesus, but they have this message for you. Hey, I really want you to protect this land. You know, I'm John Dutton. I don't know if you ever watched that or something. But uh <laughs> but but then or I really want you to protect our family or take care of mom. And well you're gonna at that point, you're gonna take whatever that person said and you're gonna ride with it until you can pass the torch or whatever the case is. And I think it's the same thing when Jesus, right before he ascended back to heaven, he told the disciples one of the most important things that meant to him, which was go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that we do. Well, if that's the last thing Jesus said before he left, before we see him again, like that was one thing that we really, really need to try to get right. Also loving our neighbors and all those things. But like he said, go make disciples, because when you make disciples, you'll get to experience all the same stuff that I did, which is going to help you grow. So powerful. The, the dying man's last wish, right? Yeah. That's always the thing that you honor. And yet I think that it has been, I think it's, it's diluted. Um, it's been diluted by the church. And I think as the church, cause we are called the church as an individual entity and a collective spirit as community. But when I say church, I don't mean anything besides the humans that occupy the four walls of a house, right? Um, because I believe that we, as the church, as an individual entity, as the spirit that resides within us, that power has never been broken. That has never been tainted. There's, it's always been good. But people view the people who occupy a church as God. And that's where it's been misplaced because no pulpit person, no pastor, no disciple maker, no, no anybody that you see of the flesh right now is God himself. They might be godly or they might be human. And, and oftentimes the flesh takes over. And so it's so important for us to just make sure, as you said, you've connected yourself to so many mentors in the season of, of uh, evolution and growing that you have, even from day one, when you came to know Jesus and you had that prayer, like, hey, I need somebody who's going to disciple me. That is such wisdom. And a lot of times people think that they can do it on their own. And it's simply not the case. Yeah, you can't. It's impossible. Yeah. You know, it's just literally, it's almost literally impossible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, iron sharpens iron. And without the extra iron, you just become dull. And you can't do anything without your sword. And the sword is a component of, of knowing the word, like you said. Um, and I, I think that's what we're missing in so many realms. Uh, and yet something I yearn for. And I think that that's why there's these mountains that have been diluted and are being occupied by false fleshly word of man versus the the word the god the living god who can who owns it all right yeah man. that's awesome well it's been incredible to get to know you firstly because even though we were in proximity in kentucky i was wearing lots of hats and very hard to stay focused i was also just I, know. <laughs> I know i was sitting there thinking the whole time i was like wait I didn't get pictures of the people I really wanted to get pictures of. I know, <laughs> I know, but I got to watch just like you on stage, the transformative experience of, of having artists go from side, from backstage to side stage to center stage. And then to have this experience with you, it's like, 
this whole arena of representation of who you are. And this moment has been my favorite thus far, even though you're an incredible performer. Um, Knowing your heart makes it that much more special. I'm going to divulge in all of your music. (laughs) (laughs) So good, Kentucky. Thank you so much for being here. Where where can people get connected with you? Obviously listening to your albums, um, but are you on Instagram most, Facebook? Uh, I spend most of my time on Instagram more than it. Oh, well, actually, I kind of dive into every. So, I mean, I got so many. I have like 10 social medias. So well, go look. I have a bunch of them linked here. Yeah. I've got their new bridal shop. And if you're listening live now, you're the first of many, many to come, but first to hear about this. So be sure to click the link and check out what him and his wife have going on in regards to that amazing uh, experience. And then the tech company as well. You are so multifaceted. You're literally standing in your anointing and gifting. And I love that you just bring such joy to everything that you do. And you brought joy to us today on the podcast. It's been an honor, friend. Well, thank you. It was a blessing. And I appreciate everybody having me. Chat soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, y'all. It's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts, and you can tag me and the guest, and we will surely feature you on our Instas. Hey, you might even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together, and we appreciate the extra step taken. I would be so grateful if you even took the extra step. Come on, give me that extra sauce and leave a review on iTunes for the podcast listening app that is of your choice. I'm going to be featuring your thoughts, in fact, and this is going to be so fun in upcoming episodes. So you'll not only hear your name on the show, but maybe even your passion project or whatever big shout out you want me to make. So please, as a fellow writer, leave some words that I can attest to, and I can't wait to read what you have to say. Thanks again for being a loyal listener, and I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting. And I say we because the Fit and Fake team could not do this without you. Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith Way. Hey, everybody. I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word kainos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.